0: As mamas, we oftentimes find ourselves in leadership roles. We lead in our homes, we lead in our communities, we lead in our schools, we lead in our jobs. And today's episode is really exciting because we are going to talk about something that is really related to leadership, which is mentorship. That as leaders, we oftentimes find ourselves mentoring. So what does good mentorship look like? And I'm really excited because I am bringing on the podcast someone who has a great deal of experience talking to some of the best leaders in the world. His name's Scott Jeffrey Miller, and he is the host of the Franklin Covey Podcast on Leadership, and he is coming out with a new book that we're going to talk all about that talks about different roles that mentors take on and how to take on those roles well. So we're gonna talk about validation, boundaries, and the biggest mistake mentors make. Grab a pen, you know the one. This is gonna be a good one. Do you wanna feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If so, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan Podcast. I'm Danielle McGew. I'm a professor, mom, planner addict, and recovering overachiever. After years of hustle and grind, I was tired of trying harder. I was ready to try easier. At the intersection of research, practice, and play, I found a purposeful path to planning and goal setting that is fun, simple, and sustainable. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I will equip you with tools and practices to clarify purpose, reclaim time, and achieve goals, playfully and lightly. Let's get started. Before I jump into this wonderful interview, I want to invite you to the new Plan Go Plan Facebook community. So if you are on Facebook, jump on to Plan Go Plan. If you just search that, it should come up and there is a community. There's a couple of questions that it's going to ask you in order to join the group. But y'all, I'm really excited about this. I'm not, I'm actually not a huge fan of social. That being said, one of my favorite things about Facebook is the Facebook groups. I like the ability to connect to groups that are going to film me, that are going to encourage me, and that's what this group is going to be. So jump onto Facebook, go to Plan Go Plan, join the group. In there, you're going to find encouragement. You're going to find guidance on how to plan your week. We're going to help you prioritize. We are going to help you reflect, and I'm really excited about it. So I wanted a way that I can interact with you all more, and this is going to be it. So jump on the Plan Goal Plan on Facebook. Let's chat. Now, the interview.
1: Welcome, I am so excited to welcome today's guest, Scott Jeffrey Miller. Scott is a senior advisor on thought leadership for Franklin Covey and hosts the podcast on leadership with Scott Miller. And he has a new book, that is coming out soon. It is called The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship: 13 Rules to Making a True Impact. And um I love reading. I it was so excited to get to read through this book and I know that so many of y'all listening, you are leaders. You are leaders in your home, you are leaders in your community, leaders in your workplace and you often find yourselves mentoring others. And so I'm really excited to welcome Scott and have him chat with us about his views on mentorship and all these different roles that we might take on as mentors. So Scott, welcome. Tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me how you found yourself writing about mentorship.
2: Danielle, my pleasure. Thank you for your platform and spotlight today. Let's see, I've written quite a few books. I've released six. I have three coming out in the next 18 months. So I'm an author, speaker, podcaster. Like you, I host a weekly leadership podcast uh, called On Leadership with Scott Miller, the world's largest weekly leadership podcast, where, like you, I get a chance to interview cool people. Thank you for having me on your program, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. I'm by day, I'm a talent agent. My business is called Gray Miller. It's a uh, talent literary and speaking agency. I've spent 30 years in the Franklin Covey company. Everyone knows the seven habits of highly effective people. I was the chief marketing officer and executive vice president for that firm, spent 24 years there. I live in Salt Lake City with my wife, Stephanie. We have three sons that are eight, 10 and 12. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't have three boys in five years, especially when you're 55. I should be like on a sailboat somewhere I feel like, but I'm not. Uh, this newest book I is The Labor of Love. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship. I've written numerous books for Harper Collins and they actually approached me about writing a book on mentorship. For yeah. a variety of reasons, I'd written some books called Master Mentors that were spotlights on my podcast guest. And then so I thought carefully about what I wanted to write about and I identified the 13 roles that mentors play, whether you are a mentor in a Fortune 50 company, whether you're a mentor in your own company, whether you're a parent or a partner or or a, a community leader. I think these 13 roles come about um, prominently in, in in roles of mentorships of all shapes and sizes and settings and situations, especially in parenting. Yeah. And so I think in many cases, the book will be viewed as a leadership and parenting guide as much as like a corporate professional mentoring book.
1: Yeah, I think that it's awesome. One of the things that I really appreciate about it is it's not like Oh, here's a quiz and figure out which mentor role you take on, right? It's that there are these different roles that, as a mentor, we might have to shift and move between to adapt and meet the needs of our mentees. You know, I teach, I'm a teacher, and I spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about what are my students' needs? How do I meet them? And how do I guide them in the way that they need to be guided? And I think that. I think this is a great tool for thinking about parenting. I think it's a great tool for teachers, for coaches and for leaders. It's Thank you. fantastic. So, could you give us a little bit of a snapshot of some of your some of the roles that you outline in your book?
2: Sure. Well, originally I had 15 roles and my review committee passed out when they read the manuscript and said, "No, no, no, Scott, <laughs> Uh, What part of you spending 25 years with Stephen Covey did you not get around the core number seven? So I took their advice and I took it from 15 to 13 because I was passionate about all 13 of them. So the good news is when you read this book, and by the way, you can visit greatmentorship.com. I have a certification program. I have a mentor journal, all kinds of cool tools. But the point isn't to master these 13 roles. That's, of course, unrealistic. It's to have a working knowledge. Should I be in this role? Am I good at this role? Am I not so great at this role? And is this a good setting? So really to kind of uh, gird your loins, you don't have to have mastery at all 13. They are in order. Rule number one, the revealer, followed by the boundary setter, the absorber, the questioner, the challenger, the validator, the navigator, the visionary, the flagger, the distiller, the activator, the connector, and the closer. And so it isn't like rule two is for mentoring session two and rule seven is for role mentor meeting seven. It's really kind of a start anywhere, go everywhere, be mindful, be aware of them. The book is full of lots of questions to ask, watch out, don't do this, but think about that. And so I'm happy to expand on any of those 13 roles that you like.
1: So I have kind of a funny confession. Um, As I was reading through them, I came to The Jerk, which, you know, I thought was such a I was like oh this is awesome that the jerk is a role but so you talk about the pitfalls and i had misread it and i thought that under the pitfall you said there is no downside to being a jerk you know and i was like oh this is hilarious you must be tongue-in-cheek here (laughs) Um,
2: so the the jerk was a bonus chapter right the jerk is not part of the third. What's so funny is every interviewer wants to talk about the jerk. <laughs> no, I love that you brought it up because it's kind of like what not to do. Like the 14th role is the jerk. Don't do all of these things, but you have to buy the book to kind of figure out what not to do. And no doubt your readers or your listeners will relate to some of the things in the jerk. Like I did, I wrote it. So I kind of wrote it as the bad side of me. Like I've done these things. Don't do these as the jerk.
1: Yeah, I really appreciated. Um I really appreciated that and I kind of giggled at cuz I caught my own error as I had read it. Yes, good, um good. and um but so you know recently I was in a situation um mentoring a student and I tend to gravitate towards roles like the validator. Um so maybe you could tell us a little bit about the validator and then I'll kind of talk about the challenging situation I got myself in.
2: I'll make it short. It's actually my favorite role is the validator. I, I don't think most of us have had too much validation in our lives. We hear about these, this young generation that got ribbons for everything. That was not me. So I'm not sure how long that lasted, but I think as a mentor, Danielle, you have a chance to be a transition figure in someone's life. You know, you might be an uncle, maybe you're a cousin, maybe you're a nephew, maybe you're a caregiver, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a leader, maybe you're a tennis coach, whatever it is. As the validator, this is a chance for you to exercise the power of the pause. Let's role play for a moment. Danielle, I've thoroughly enjoyed these mentoring sessions over the last few weeks and months, and I'd like to take a moment and have you just be quiet and listen. I, I don't want you to deny or deflect it or dispute it. I want to pay you a compliment. I want to validate some genius I see in you. I notice that, Danielle, whenever we meet, you are a great synthesizer. You can take complex ideas and boil them down into very simple, actionable terms. And that's a talent. Danielle, that's a talent as a synthesizer that you're going to carry with you for every role you play in life. And I want you to own that. You get the point, right? Mm-hmm. I was very specific. I used a very specific word. I used a specific scenario, and I separated all this, all the confusion of this call and those goals and this email and I think as the validator, you have a chance to transform someone's life. I want to share a very short story. I am a lifelong stutterer. I have a speech impediment, quite debilitating. I've been a stutterer my entire life. Four braces, three Invisaligns, headgear, two speech pathologists. I have a speech coach. There's 45 words I cannot say in public, and it doubles, triples in the winter time. You get the point. I have a speech impediment. And when I was 16 years old, working at a bakery in Orlando, Florida, a a tourist came in and asked me for directions, like for some place a mile away. I like, you know, go down here, turn left there, look for that, turn right, and you're there. Anyway, this woman was Israeli, and I remember this. And she said to me, as she was taking away her almond croissant and her peppermint tea, this was 40 years ago, I remember this. She said, you are a great communicator. You have a great mastery of your language. I was a stutterer. I wasn't a great communicator. And here I had carried this with me metaphorically in a backpack across my entire journey. I became a podcast host too, and a radio host, and iHeartRadio, and a public speaker. And was it all because of her? No, but she definitely validated something that she saw in me that I didn't see myself. And I think the validator role is a judiciously used role. You don't validate, you always show up on time, or I like how positive you are, I mean, maybe you can, but You want to use this one with great care because you have the chance to remind something of someone that they might need to retrieve later in life when they're having a rough time, no matter what it is. I love the role the visionary mentors play. Please share your student story.
1: Thank you, that was so wonderful. Um, I think a lot about how do we compliment well, and I think the validator role, you really offer some tips on how to do that really well. And so yeah, so the student, I I like being the validator. I like to, when I'm in meetings, I like to just pay attention to the people around me and notice what it is that they are really good at and find opportunities to to mark those moments. And with um, my student, I was in the validator role. Maybe sometimes I'm in the questioner role. I like to ask questions that might prompt things for people. At this time, I think I was actually being a little bit more of the revealer. So you talk about the revealer as the archaeologist, right? Right. That kind of is digging. You're kind of brushing off all of these things to reveal this person's true potential. And I was realizing that these roles just kind of weren't, weren't working. My student wasn't making progress in the way that I know they have the potential to. And I needed to take on the boundary setter role. And I will say... I struggle a lot being the boundaries. I like don't want to do it. I Mm -hmm. struggle wanting to be the boundary setter. I struggle wanting to be the flagger. I struggle with those roles where it's sort of like, Hey, there are some behaviors here that we need to put some boundaries on um, because they're getting in the way of you meeting your potential. So could you talk a little bit about either the boundary setter or the flagger and how to do those generously?
2: I can. There are very different roles, as you know, from the book. The boundary setter really is the role of the mentor early on in the the mentoring conversation and the relationship to be clear with your mentee, whoever that person is, about what you will and what you will not do. Let me role play it for you. Danielle, I've loved this conversation. Very excited about your passion, your lifelong passion, apparently, to become a patent attorney. I love that you want to become a patent attorney. I'm excited that you're not confused about that. Or Danielle, uh, I'm excited to help you explore whether you should become a massage therapist or an orthopedic surgeon. These are very different paths. Let's talk about these. As we do that, Danielle, I think it's important that you and I have an uncomfortable, awkward three-minute conversation. So four minutes from now, it will be less awkward, but it's going to be a little bit awkward for about three minutes. So just like buckle in. I need to set some boundaries so that you know, as your mentor, what I am and am not willing to do. First, I want to just remind you so that we never get into an uncomfortable or awkward or embarrassing conversation. Um, I am, as your mentor, I'm not going to play the role as ally, ally, supporter, or champion. Those are not the roles of mentors. That's someone else. You need to find allies, champions, and supporters. That's not the role of mentors. So please don't ask me to do that. That probably is relevant, by the way, mostly in an organizational setting. Secondly, I'm not a therapist or a mental health counselor or a psychiatrist. And so I am a father and a husband and a leader. So I know a bit about relationships, but let's be sure that we don't think I'm something that I'm not. Lastly, and I think this is probably as important. I want to make sure that all of the people I meant for know that my most precious asset next to my soul, my reputation, is my network my professional network. I've worked very hard for 40 years to build a pristine network. Most of you know that because of my public profile, but please don't ask me to introduce you to my network or to get you Taylor Swift tickets or to a visit to the White House. Uh, I'm not gonna do that and I don't wanna be placed in that position. And so I appreciate how well you've listened to this. I'm sure there are some boundaries you might need to set with me. So if there are some, share them, you get the point. I've said that hopefully, you know, courageously, but diplomatically. I lowered my voice. I I, I lessened the the, the harshness with which I said it. I said it was gonna be awkward. And now as the boundary setter, for all I know, Danielle might knock my socks off in the next 10 meetings, be on time, make and keep commitments, not confuse opinions and emotions with facts, take responsibility, show great maturity. And now I might choose to lessen or lower those boundaries, right? Good offenses make good neighbors. But if I've set strong boundaries up front, then I can choose over time to lower them, maintain them, or even strengthen them. And this requires mentors to sometimes move outside their comfort zone and exercise a little more courageousness than might be natural for their personality.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Secondly, the flagger. The flagger also requires a lot of people, an unnatural level of diplomacy and courage. Danielle. I'm loving this conversation about how to become a chiropractor. But I think as we've already established, you have to complete X number of years of chiropractic class. You can't send your twin brother. That's funny. Or your twin sister or whatever it is, right? Is you're, you're stopping behavior. You're saying, Danielle, we got to stop. Now, I don't think as a mentor, you should flag everything, flag every five minutes flag. No, no, no. Like the validator, you are judiciously deciding if and when you ever need to flag and say, stop, time out. I'm I'm looking for false narratives. I'm looking for warped perceptions. I'm looking for lies or distorted truths. I'm looking to bring you back to reality and let's talk truth about what's really going on.
1: Yeah, and listening to you, expand on those different roles, what becomes really obvious to me is that if I haven't done the work as a mentor to have that boundary setting conversation at the beginning, I'm probably gonna be more likely to find myself in the flagger role in yes. the future. And so that's that's really, really helpful.
2: I love that. You, you, you brought up a great point is maybe in the boundary setter, you say things that are less harsh. Maybe it's like, let's make some commitments let's try to call things by their right names. Let's try to stay away from hyperbole or exaggerations. Let's try not to blame others, but take responsibility. Let's make sure we separate our opinions from facts. Both are important, but our opinions are rarely facts. That will prevent you from having to be the flagger on the back end, you're absolutely right. You can tell you're an educator, you're exactly right. (laughs)
1: I love that. Thank you so much. So um, listening to your podcast and and reading through your book, it's so clear that you're very, you take leadership, you take mentorship incredibly seriously. That being said, there is something about you that is a little playful in the way that you lead. And even in this conversation, I love the different role taking that you take on as a way to explain things. And in the closure role, you talk about rather than maybe printing off certificates, you talk about getting crayons and colors and going for it and making your own certificate. And I love that because one of the things that I'm really passionate about on plan goal plan is how do we set goals? How do we engage in planning, but how do we do it lightly and playfully um, so that we can delight in all of the possibilities that our future holds? And so um, could you maybe talk about how you infuse play into your different mentorship roles. And is there a particular role that you think maybe is open to more playfulness than others?
2: I love that you brought this up because I think we should take our work seriously, but take ourselves less seriously. I think you can be playful and fun and relatable and still be credible and still have respect and still set boundaries. There's a fine line, right? You should know when to joke and when to be serious. And you don't want to undermine your credibility. I really like the fact that you mentioned the role, the closer. This is the final role. This is the role where you're identifying and describing the growth your mentor, your mentee has achieved. What she has fixed or improved or focused on. You're calling out and identifying what they've accomplished, what they're next going to accomplish. You also share what you've learned from them. And I think that's important to make sure that the mentee knows how you are changed as a result of their time with you. I'm often asked, Danielle, about reverse mentorship. And I say, yeah, there's no such thing. It's called mentorship. Age doesn't matter. I have lots of people that are half my age mentoring me on chat GPT and Instagram Reels and that my TikTok videos aren't funny enough or you get the point, right? Right, It's called mentorship. But I, I like your idea of this frivolity. I'll, I'm going to confess something I've never confessed before. I've been the recipient of lots of awards in my life. Glass vases and glass triangles. And they're always usually like weaponized. One of them has never left my hotel room. It always goes in the garbage. No disrespect, meant. Don't ever give me an award. I, I won't bring it home. Every crystal vase, every glass, every plaque, it's all gone gently into the garbage, and I leave because that doesn't matter to me. But I once worked with a personal trainer who really built my muscles up. And then I had three kids and got a dad bod. Too much information. <laughs> my point was at the end of four years of working out with him three times a week, yes, it was the equivalent of a college tuition. He hand drew me a certificate and it was like, congratulations, you've graduated from the Chris Triber School of Self-Esteem Improvement. And he signed it, and he dated it, and it was certificate one of one. And I still have it, like 15 years later, I have this hokey certificate. I don't have any of the 40 crystal vases anybody gave me. My point is if you're mentoring something, give them a certificate. Congratulations, you've just survived the Scott Miller Miller sausage grinder school of making (laughs) you awesome. You know, uh, you get the point. I think you can have fun without undermining your credibility and being able to be serious when you need to be serious and, and be funny and fun and relatable when you need to be relatable. Everybody wants to be able to be vulnerable with their mentor. If you come in and you're all buttoned down and everything is perfect and it's a PhD here and an MD there and everything is great, no one's gonna be honest with you. They're gonna be scared of you. They're gonna choose their words carefully. They're gonna make stuff up. They're not gonna truly share their traumas and their joys and their fears for fear they say the wrong word. You have gotta open up and say as the revealer, I want you to be yourself. I don't expect you to have the same level of knowledge or information that I have. By the way, I've made a lot of mistakes in life. And if they're relevant, I'll share them in the context of helping you achieve what you want to achieve. But here's one. And I I might share something funny just to soften the beach. That doesn't take away from my credibility or my education or my experience. I've been able to accomplish some great things in life, but man, have I made some mistakes that if I could teach through those Mm -hmm. and make them about the mentee and not about me, but I might even say that real quickly. It's the biggest mistake mentors make. It's they say, "Well, Danielle, if I was you, if I were you, here's what I would do. And you can never do that because I'm not Danielle. I don't have her background, her patience, I don't have her degrees. I don't have her, her mindset for sequence. What you can say is, well, Danielle, um, here's what I did when I was faced with a similar set of circumstances. This may not be relevant to you at all. And in a moment, let's talk about all the upsides and downsides of the decisions you're facing with all of your skills and your passions and everything else. I'll share mine very quickly and then pivot back to them and make sure that I'm not trying to live vicariously through my mentor, which a lot of parents do through their children, me included.
1: Yes, and I, I love when you talk about this in your book too. I was like, you know, silently cheering in my head, because I do think that there's this impulse sometimes to create little mini-me's, that mentorship and leadership, it's really about how do I help you realize your goals?
2: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's important to acknowledge as a mentor, you might be tempted to right your wrongs through your mentee or to live vicariously through them. It's understandable, right? I write a lot about how, when I was a boy, I was raised in a very healthy middle-class family, but we couldn't afford Ralph Lauren. We got like one polo shirt a year. And where I was raised, you know, what you wore was who you are, sadly. And so now that I've had some success in life, my three boys could care less, but they own every color Ralph Lauren ever made. And they're all in their closet by the hundreds. I know some will think I'm gross. I need a therapist, don't we all? But that's my attempt to write the injustices of me not having the purple Ralph Lauren shirt, right, or whatever it was. I, mean, I can laugh about it. My boys could talk about it. They know how funny it is. They know why I bought them. And we have a healthy, conver- I think it's healthy, conversation around it. But I'm also careful not to make it to go too far, right? Uh, we, we, we laugh about it and joke about it. As a mentor, you need to be able to say, Hey, I don't want to turn you into a successful version of me, but let's talk about what you could do and what you're passionate about. Feel free to use those words. Those are actually really mature phrases.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I love thinking about that with our kids, too. Um, Right as you were telling that story, I was thinking, oh, gosh, I have silly putty on my couch right now because I was like, I'm going to let my kids have silly putty (laughs) Turns out my mentors, my parents were pretty wise and um, I know
2: there's no no silly putty in my house. There's also no glitter. I have like a phobia of glitter and no styrofoam because styrofoam is like rabbits. It like just explodes in the air and and it drives me crazy. And hopefully your, your listeners are laughing right now. But I think it's important to be able to talk about that. Right. And laugh about it and then use it to the benefit of your mentee or your child or your friend, whoever it is you're mentoring formally or informally.
1: Well, thank you so much. I, As we've been talking, I've really been reflecting on some of the mentors that have made such a big difference in my life. And I know that I, I couldn't be where I am now in my life if it wasn't for really amazing mentors. And I hope that I'm able to pass that on in all the different ways I take on mentor roles for others. So if if people wanted to connect with you, if they wanted to pick up a copy of this book, can you remind us how can we connect with you? Sure. How, can, how can we do that?
2: So your listeners can visit greatmentorship.com. As I mentioned, there's lots of uh, complimentary videos on there about each of the 13 roles. There is a mentor journal people can order with a card deck with, with quick reference tips. I have a mentorship certification, short. Thirteen videos that someone can be certified as a mentor that comes out in July. The book is sold everywhere uh, uh, in, in softcover, paperback, in audio, and in um, ebook. Launches July 11th. You can buy it on any any uh, book retailer site or brick and mortar store. And you also can connect and follow with to me, with me, by me, on me <laughs> on every social media platform: uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. I'm kind of everywhere.
1: That's awesome. I also want to say, because we didn't bring this up, but one of the other things that I love about your book, I am a pen and paper person. Mm -hmm. And you in the book, ask some questions and have little sort of like workbook places well, that people can write down ideas write down notes to yourself and as somebody who does not remember anything unless I put pen to paper I was so excited to see that interactive participatory part of the book so um thank you so much for your time Scott thanks. this was such a joy and I feel like I learned a lot I mean, this is not a book that you just read and then you set down this is like a book that you keep picking up and you review and you reference it as you go through things so thank you so much I really appreciate it If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all, so pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.